What's up, little mistakers? Welcome to the Humor in Mistakes podcast, where we encourage people to find humor in their mistakes. I'm your host, Donovan McNeil, and each week my co-host, Andrew Gleason. What's up, brother? We have a guest on our show, and we get them to open up about mistakes that they've made in the past. And Andrew and I laugh at them with the hopes that you are little mistakers will learn that mistakes are okay and not be so worried about making them. This week, our guest is the awesome Jeremy Alder. But before I introduce him, let me give a shout out to our sponsor, Trolley Stop Hot Dogs on West Franklin Street. Trolley Stop has awesome cheap food. If you need some delicious food for the Lolo, hit up Trolley Stop. And as a matter of fact, if you tell them that you're a Humor in Mistakes listener, you'll get a discount. So shout out to Trolley Stop. Thank you for being our first sponsor. We'll never forget it. This is going to be the first of many sponsors on the way. One thing I'll say about Trolley Stop is they got some good-ass fries, man. If you're a fry guy, get you some fries from Trolley Stop. They're like they're what I like to call don't-need-ketchup fries. You just You can just eat them plain, man. Back to our guest, Jeremy Alder. First, I just want to thank him for jumping on the podcast. He's a father of four. He's a very funny dude. Um, He got married really young. He had four kids by the time he was 30. And he really just talks about how that affected his life and having to grow up very quickly. Little mistakers, if you and your partner are arguing about whether to have kids or not, and your team, I don't want to have kids, Go ahead and pop this episode on and let your partner listen to it. Jeremy loves his kids, but he's very honest about how hard of work it was to have kids. So uh, this might help you win your argument. Check this episode out, y'all. It's a good one. What's up, little mistakers? Welcome to the Humor in Mistakes podcast, where we go- encourage everyone to find humor in their mistakes. I'm here with Rero, dad, and comedian, Jeremy Alder. I clearly said the first word wrong. How's it going, man? Good, good. Good to see you, man. What, what's the proper pronunciation? Weddo. Rero. Weddo. Uh, Don't roll the R. Rero. Like, say- <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, I'm black. Wetto. <laughs> uh, what's up, man? Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, we wanted you on because uh, even your website says that you have a poorly planned life. And I feel like that is... <laughs> I feel like that's good for our little mistakers who we want to uh, know that they can laugh at their mistakes. So, uh, welcome. Yeah, thanks, man. Glad to be here. I guess uh, all my mistakes led up to this. <laughs> yeah, you're you're gonna be perfect for this. Uh, so you describe yourself as a G word, a dad, and a comedian. Um, is that is that what you would limit yourself to, or like describe yourself? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, well, for those that don't know, "wedo" uh, means white boy. It's a uh, uh, Spanish slang, and uh, I, I grew can up... confirm he's white. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, uh, and uh, so uh, I got called Weddle a lot, 
Um, and uh, I didn't. I actually didn't know what it meant for uh, many years. Um, but what did you think? They were just like saying, "What's up?" I, honestly, I thought it was Spanish for Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, turns out, nope. <laughs> they really like me. It means annoying white boy. That's what it means. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so that tells you a little bit about me. Um, yeah, I grew up in San Antonio, and um, uh, and I'm a white boy. And uh, I'm a, I became a dad very early um, and, uh, and uh, got married really young. Uh, and so kind of being a, a dad and a, a married guy... Um, you know, defined most of my adulthood, uh, at least up until five years ago when I, me and my wife divorced, um, but still have the kids. So. <laughs> they don't just go away. <laughs> Divorce can't solve all your problems. <laughs> uh, how old were you when you had uh, kids? 21. Okay. Yeah, I had uh, my first one was 21 and uh, had my last just before turning 30. Dude, man. I, uh, That's so I had four, four kids by the time yeah. I was 30. Yeah. Yeah. My mom had me when she was 18. I often think, like, how would have 18-year-old or 21-year-old big deal, like, handled having children? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. I, uh, I was in college at the time and, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't planning on having a kid. <laughs> But uh, yeah, obviously wasn't a degree in safe sex. Uh, no, I was <laughs> homeschooled. So uh, <laughs> my uh, my sex ed was taught to me by my parents, uh, and uh, by taught to me, I just mean I may have walked in on them. Uh, <laughs> that was that's about the extent of it. Uh, the rest was left to the Bible and my imagination. So we're we're number three and four, like uh, like. I'm still going to, maybe it'll work this time. Like, <laughs> maybe pulling out will work this time. <laughs> I've gotten better at it. Uh, actually, honestly, um, number four came after a vasectomy. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So he's the, he's the miracle baby. Um, Jesus in a way. Yeah. 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 I mean, who knows? Maybe <laughs> Jesus is his real dad. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. So what's the, what's that like when you just like have a kid that's not planned for? Because I have no clue. So I, I'm good at pulling out. <laughs> <laughs> and changing your number. Yeah. <laughs> 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 changing zip codes. There is one that could be out there. Florida, if someone comes up from Florida is like, they're my kid. I'm like, eh, you're probably right. <laughs> Spring break was crazy. <laughs> 2011. <laughs> oh man, uh, what's it like? Um, I don't know. I mean, um, I was I was nervous, uh, but excited. I mean, I wasn't opposed to having kids. I'd planned on having kids. I just wasn't expecting one to come that soon. Um, but I, I mean, I like. I like kids. I grew up in a big family, and uh, I was around kids a lot. Um, and uh, you know, I like being a dad. I love babies. 
Um, so I wasn't, I, I was mostly, honestly, I was mostly excited and I kind of just figured, you know what, we'll, this wasn't in the plans, but we'll figure it out. That's a lot like, that's a lot like life though. You just got to roll with the punches sometimes. You don't, at a, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you just have no choice, but, uh, you know, figure it out or walk away, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, that's My a, pops did it. That's yeah. an option. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah, see, and I bet he's happy. Hey. Uh, <laughs> he's a lawyer now, as a matter oh, of fact. Oh, see? So worked it worked out, out for him. Think of what I could have been. <laughs> 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 but here I am doing this podcast. <laughs> You're not, you're not helping me, by the way. I'm, I'm currently experiencing baby fever, man. Like, I, I, I volunteer to babysit my niece all the time. She's three. And, like, I'm trying to... I was hoping you'd, like, talk me out of it. Oh, oh, I could tell. By the end of this podcast, <laughs> you, I'll have talked you out of it. Okay, fair All my friends are How often do you babysit? Uh, three, four times a week. Yeah, see, wow. I do, how long has that been going on? Because I've been doing that for, like, the last year. And any desire I had for children has been squashed. And Babysitter's Club over here. Really. <laughs> it's um, called Single Siblings. That's one to awesome. two, I wasn't feeling it. But after she started talking and walking, I'm like, oh, it's not so bad. Yeah. When they're just laying there and they can't do anything, it's like, oh, if I really, they can't go open the fridge for themselves. Like, no. They'll die. Oh, uh, no, they're yeah. completely dependent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now I could fall asleep and she'll go and grab something out of the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> she can bring you bring some beer. juice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she can communicate. Okay. Um. So what what got you into comedy? I mean, the I want to part of me wants to say my divorce. Like I don't think I would have done it had I not gotten divorced. And I did it for the first time, really for the first time. Um, about six months after my divorce in 2014. And um, I was just, I needed something to do. I, um, I loved, con- I've always, you know, been a fan of stand-up. I, uh, I did um, a stand-up set. So this is, I don't know, maybe we'll get into this uh, later, but um, I used to be a preacher and um, this point, I did my homework. <laughs> I got, I got it, right? it. Oh, you have it written down. Okay, good for you. You're prepared. Um, and uh, actually, at this church that um, I would, I didn't work for the church, but we had kind of uh, different people out of the congregation that would preach regular, and I was one of them. And uh, we, they did this thing called Humor Sunday, um, the Sunday after Easter every year. And uh, it's usually um, uh, the idea behind it is uh, is that uh, you know the the resurrection is the greatest uh, joke God ever pulled on the devil. So <laughs> so so Sunday humor Sunday was this kind of celebration of of humor, and so people would do like silly songs or or skits or whatever. I decided to do a stand up set, and. Uh, <laughs> This was at a Mennonite church in San Antonio, and so I did five minutes roasting Mennonites, <laughs> and it killed. They loved it, and I had a blast. And that was my first. That was two years before I went to an open mic and like did stand up in front of like a real audience of five other sad comics in an empty <laughs> bar, but. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, 
Yeah, so I guess technically, I mean, we could count that as my first time, but um, but I just remember it being a lot of fun. And so after my divorce, I was looking for something to do. I wasn't preaching anymore. I wanted a creative outlet. Um, you get kicked out? Like, is divorce mean you get kicked out? No. Of okay. No, the, I was um, I was pretty involved with a church uh, in uh, around here um, at the time, but... Um, I just kind of lost the energy to keep going, okay. and uh, um, so was planning on taking a break, but that break has ended up lasting, you know, four and a half years. Um, Mennonites were, they branched off from Quakers, right? They are related. The, the broader category would be Anabaptists, which goes back to like the Reformation in the 16th century, and that would include uh, the Amish. Uh-huh. Mennonites, um, Quakers would fit into there, a few other denominations. Uh, the Peace Church tradition, like they're all pacifists. Mm-hmm. Um, Turn the other cheek. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So when I got divorced, I was looking for something to do. I was looking for a creative outlet. Um, I think at some level, I'm a writer and I. I was scratching that itch through preaching on a regular basis. I didn't have that anymore. And, um, uh, yeah, so I didn't know there was such a thing as, like, local stand-up. I didn't really – I didn't know how you became a comedian. So I I literally Googled stand-up comedy Chapel Hill. And uh, the club uh, DSI came up. And – I looked at the calendar and saw they were having an open mic, and so came and I think the first week I just came and watched. And um, if you're thinking of doing stand up, I feel like that's the best thing you can do for your confidence is go watch an open <laughs> mic <laughs> because you will probably leave there going, "I can do that," <laughs> which is exactly what happened. So I came back the next week and like uh, to do it, and uh, and then the rest is. I can yeah. definitely do better than that dude that told dick jokes for five minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, so that was yeah, so that was that was kind of what propelled me, I think, the the divorce. And looking for like I was looking to make friends and kind of a new community and um, you know, you can find that in stand up, at least in our scene, I feel like. Did you have a bit about your divorce in your first set? No. Uh, I don't think that I talked about my divorce. I did talk about being a single dad. Okay. Um, but I don't... Well, that's not true. I did used to have... I don't know when I first started doing a bit about my kids coming from a broken home. <laughs> and about how I, I would tell it, people I was divorced. And it was then, Yeah, it was one of the first times I saw you. Because I think I learned that you were divorced from seeing you on stage. That might be true. That might be, and then I think I stopped talking about it because I felt like I wasn't right. But I did used to do a joke about, you know, people saying, um, oh, you know, isn't it hard knowing that your kids will grow up in a broken home? And I was like, yeah, that used to bother me, but we fixed it. I'm divorced now. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to do that. Yeah, but I, I mean, I've, I think I, I, I did it a few times and then I was like, I don't think I'm really ready to talk about this from stage. But I did come into comedy with the mindset of like, well, this will be therapeutic. 
And I think a lot of people come into stand-up thinking that. Yeah. I don't think it's good therapy. <laughs> Man, I remember my local class or whatever, the people who came into improv and stuff around five years ago when I did it. That was in every class, every stand-up class that was at that old club. It was like, this is not therapy, by the way. Like, oh, good. It was explicitly stated. More people need to tell. I think it. I, I think it needs to be out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's terrible. There. You need yeah. to go to a therapist. That's I, if you if you think you need therapy, <laughs> go to a therapist. Do not go to an open mic, yeah. especially if you're suicidal. Yeah. <laughs> Don't invest a lot of time into writing something. Think it's going to go well and then get crushed. Yeah, I think that's going to help your <laughs> mental health. Well, it's also it at, at the local local open mic level. What people don't realize is you need to have a connection. You need to have familiarity with an audience in order for them to give a shit at all. They don't care about how shitty your life is. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because they don't care about you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not going to go well. Yeah. No. No there's... matter how honest you are. Right. Yeah. Right. It had to be a punchline somewhere. Best case scenario, they just feel sorry for you. Yeah. yeah. That's the best that's going to happen. Maybe somebody will hand you a card afterwards like, hey, you should probably get right. some therapy. Maybe there will be a therapist in the audience. That's the best. <laughs> yeah. Folks, you can get... A therapist for roughly the price of a quarter bag of weed. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> oh, man. That's actually a bit. You need to work on that. Oh, that would my, be, that'd be good. That'd be, a lot of people need to hear that. One thing I'll say about your stand-up when you first started, because I remember when you first started, is it wasn't angry. And, like, I got dumped. And I remember, like, I was like, I need to get into improv because my stand-up was, like, very angry. It was like... I'm glad no one recorded it because it could come back to bite me in the ass ten years from now. <laughs> we found your stand up on the online and uh, you're gonna get fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know that that's true about mine. I remember mine being pretty angry because I I did an open mic. It was like my first year. Went down to San Antonio to visit my family, and I made the mistake of inviting some of my family to come watch an open mic, which yeah. is just. <laughs> Just the worst thing you can do to somebody is make them come watch your open mic. Um, and uh, I just remember uh, it was my dad or my brother being like, I was just surprised. You sound really angry. <laughs> I, was like, I never thought of myself as an angry person, but I think, um, I think when I started, I was trying to process some feelings about that. And so uh, I, it was pretty dark and pretty angry which is not really my voice. It's not really me, which is why I think it it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good. Yeah, I because uh, I get that sense of, like, you are a preacher. Like, I imagine you walking up and handing someone a Bible. Like, I see that, like, missionary type of gladness, happiness from you. Oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> You could convince me, like, hey, come to my church. We're going to play basketball and drink Kool-Aid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Drink the Kool-Aid. You like, got a very Jim Jones <laughs> Exactly. <vibe. laughs> I could see you running a mega church. <laughs> no. no I'm <laughs> I donate. You, you seem like a positive person, I think is what he's saying. Yeah. That's probably true overall. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably true overall. 
Which yeah. is rare these days, man. That's how you stand out. Positivity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got... <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I, 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 <laughs> so you've gotten to the place where you're opening up for comics like Shane Torres, Rita Rudner, Dusty Slay. Like, so it's, it's working. So how does it feel to be on the other side of like your comedy career? Like you're, you're getting there. You're making waves. How does that feel? I don't know if I would describe it that way. Okay. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I, on the other side, I mean, I've definitely progressed. Yeah. Um, it feels like I'm about where I would expect to be at almost five years in, you know? Um, <clears throat> still not making money at it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but getting better and, yeah, getting more opportunities, uh, which is great. I mean, it feels good to um, not. Uh, I mean, I still do open mics uh, pretty regular, but I don't. Open mics aren't all I'm doing, so to get the opportunity to do like longer sets in front of real audiences on a regular basis feels great. <laughs> Paying I mean, customers feels a lot much better. better. Yeah, yeah, it just feels much better. You're just more likely to have a good time. So, you know, I don't know. I'm. I'm I'm pretty content. I didn't expect much out of comedy coming into it. I mean, I still don't. I think you're crazy to expect very much out of this line of work. Um, so my my goals have always kind of been internal, uh, just getting to the point where I can say the things that I want to say in the way that I want to say them and in a way that makes people laugh. And to be able to do that like consistently with any crowd. And I'm not on the other side of that yet. Okay. Still bomb. Still have jokes that fall flat. I can still tell that like there's so much room to get better. Still finding my voice. Still learning how to write. So I don't feel like I'm on the other side. I feel like I'm, why do we want to say I'm midway there? I, I don't, who knows, really? Who knows where you yeah. end up with this okay. stuff? Fair you enough. know? Yeah. Just, I, I've seen you progress, so that's why I'm like, oh, he's like, he's doing it. So I guess... From the outside looking in, it's like you're you're doing very well out there. Oh, you're well, doing well in these streets. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, thank you. Yeah, um, I think it, I do think I've gotten to the point where um, I feel like it's probably it's more than a hobby now. It's not a job. It's not a career. But it's also like I'm not just playing around with this. Like I do want to go somewhere with it. You're an artisan. An artisan? Is it, uh, what is the difference between an artisan and an artist? Uh, one uh, ma masters their craft. The other one applies meaning to bullshit. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, shit. Okay. okay. All right. I don't know why this got awkward, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Andrew went deep on us. I started just, trying to think about I'm it. Just, like, what am I? I'm Sorry. just deeply uncomfortable with big words. So <laughs> I've been reading a lot. <laughs> so when did you start to realize that like maybe your homeschooling wasn't the best education? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh man! So uh, the first big word. And, you know. I mean, I could tell. I could tell early. I mean, I could tell when I was like a teenager. Because I had friends that went to school, and I was like, "You're like I would see like their homework and stuff." And I was like, <laughs> "You're learning a lot more than I am." <laughs> Why are there letters in your math? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, the fuck is a zebra? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or I or so I thought. Like I know um I didn't realize it but like uh my best friend just happened to be like really brilliant. And but I just thought he was the like the kid I hung out with all the time and he went to public school, so I thought this is a typical public schooler and uh he ended up He's like a scientist. He studies monkeys now or something. Um, so he probably wasn't the best example of like your typical public school kid. But it was all I knew. So I was like, man, these public schoolers are. Yeah, you should uh, homeschool in a place like where I grew up, like North Rand High School, where our teachers were throwing drugs out of the window. <laughs> and, like the dogs came. <laughs> like yeah, they had the drug dogs came, uh, and Miss Robinson threw her parking book out. <laughs> and that's when I was like, oh okay, this is the school I go to. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I had it in my head too that like, well, gosh, like people who go to school, they're gone like eight hours a day. I finish my quote schoolwork in two to three hours, <laughs> and then I just do whatever the fuck I want the rest of the day. So I was like, they've got to be learning a lot more than me, right? Because they're just spending so much more time at it. Turns out, a lot of I do realize now that I think a lot of time in school is is bullshit time, wrangling time children, wasted. Um, and uh, you know, I, I got a taste of it. Um, my junior year of high school, I went I went to school for uh, a semester. I went to a, to private school because I wanted to play on their basketball team, and uh, I hated it so much because it felt like s- there was so much wasted time, and like teachers were having to pay attention to like people who clearly didn't want to be there and who were fucking off all the time, and that was slowing everything down, and uh, there was all this time between classes and lunch and all, and I was like, man, this. I could get all this done so much faster if you just let me do it all, you know? Yeah. So I lasted um, not even half a year, and then went back home, finished out homeschooling. I agree with that, man. Like, uh, yeah, because I would get bored in school because there were so many, like, why are you, I'm sitting here waiting for you to wait for this kid to stop talking. Yeah. And it's like, I actually want to learn. Yeah, like, just teach, right. Kick yeah. him out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. But then I got to college, and I realized that, like, yeah, I definitely have some deficits here. <laughs> I, there's definitely, uh, you know. Um, I don't know how to put on a condom. Some... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they taught us that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I mean, my parents, I, I give my mom a lot of credit. I mean, you know, she she barely finished high school. She didn't go to college. and She taught four of us, and, you know, we can all speak English fairly well and you know um, uh, we can you know manage our lives uh, okay uh, which is you know pretty I you know pretty impressive I mean uh, given her background that she was able to to pull that off so you know hey my dad got a public school education he did when he had his first kid so <laughs> 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 Maybe maybe your mom was on to something. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. And honestly, like for her, uh, the reason she didn't send us to school is, you know, she was worried about us being corrupted morally and spiritually. So she wasn't really wor- that worried about the the book learning side of it. It was more like the moral education side of it, it that she wanted more control over. Um, this is what, the late 80s? 
Yeah, this would have been the late 80s at a time when homeschooling was not nearly as popular as it is now. And I remember she wasn't even sure that it was entirely legal to homeschool. So she she told us, uh, she was like, if you ever see the men in suits drive up in our driveway, you come inside and you let mommy answer the door. And we were like, what the fuck? Men in suits. Like, what, what's, what's that about? What's going to happen? You know, but like, I think she was just afraid the state would come and take us away, you know, because we weren't going to school. And uh, God, I wish they would have come and taken us away. <laughs> Thought about calling them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. Please send me to school with all my friends. <laughs> was your uh, pop culture or was that shut off a little oh, bit? Oh, yeah. Too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, what was your first rated R movie? If you well, it's a little weird. So, I remember it. So, um, my my life. So before my first four or five years of life, my parents were not religious. Oh, and they lived very differently. Yeah, Uh, and um, like my dad. he used to grow pot in the backyard Um, and uh, uh, my uh, parents let me watch whatever I wanted on TV listen to whatever I wanted I was a huge Michael Jackson fan that was before they knew (laughs) but you know it was before uh, but I loved Michael Jackson and I'm pretty sure he would have loved me Um, (laughs) we uh we we could you know we could do pretty much whatever we wanted and then they had like this really hardcore religious conversion when i was like 5 and everything changed and the biggest change for me was all my michael jackson records were gone oh shit and they got rid of the tv and so yeah i was my i had very limited access to pop culture stuff wasn't allowed to listen to the radio, except for like religious radio, and was not allowed to watch TV. So, um, and that was pre-internet, so I didn't have access to the internet. Um, what do you think the catalyst for the change was? Like, do you think something <laughs> happened in their lives? Like, oh yeah, I know I did. Oh, right. sounds okay. like they have a little bit of. I'll come drink the Kool Aid, Mister Jones. Some to some degree, I you know I don't I think their life yeah they felt like their life was out of control and they were. They needed something, and uh, something showed up for them, you know. Um, Jesus will come when you need him. Well, I mean, that's how they would, that's what they would say. And it did, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it did change their life for the better. They weren't on a great track, and they're happy, you yeah. know. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for them. It did lead to a weird childhood. Um, you know, we had no TV, no radio. We moved kind of out into the country, and we're kind of doing this, like, they were kind of trying to do this, like, self-sustainable homesteading kind of before that was a thing even this was yeah early 80s um how's your dad feel about like the uh claude bundy uh... (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean i think there's some sympathy i both my parents yeah very anti-institutional anti-government my mom uh god bless her i love her to death is one of the biggest conspiracy theorists I know. <laughs> and yeah. And, uh, and you know, those people just, are fun. I love uh, Yeah. People. I just kind of grew up around, you know, uh, you know, 
chemtrails and black helicopters and, you know, not trusting the government and, um, you know, not trusting any big institution, public schools, mm -hmm. the Catholic Church. Um, she was right on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. The, the Catholics are good. There's some good Catholics. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely some issues as an institution that they. Um... Uh, I will say that uh, I grew up in a religious home as well, and like I, I get it because my grandma is one hundred percent happy. Like she, she loves her Lord. She follows the Christianity devoutly, and she loves it, and she's happy, and it teaches her appreciation and accepting what she has, and so sometimes on a level, I get it. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna knock anybody's belief who believes in yeah. religion. Yeah. 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 I, I would say that, I mean, I, I definitely, it was a mixed bag for me growing up in it. Like there's definitely some things that I take in front of it that still shape me and like mean a lot to me, give direction to my life. And then there's a lot of bullshit, like just a lot. Like some of the churches we were involved in were just, um, uh, you know, some of the preachers I felt like were really uh, manipulative and uh, you know, profit driven and you know it was I, I it left a pretty uh, bad taste in my mouth so I have a I have a lot of distrust for like men in authority and that's transferred to pretty much everything and everywhere um, and Honestly, now that I'm saying it, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you learned early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you probably were like me asking those questions you're not supposed to ask. Like, what does he do with all that money? <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, yeah, I had lots of questions, which is part of why, like, I ended up leaving the church as a, a high schooler for a while. Is um, yeah, just feeling like my questions weren't welcome and uh uh you know people in charge uh were not willing to be honest about stuff um so yeah yeah and yeah, my biggest question was always like so when is jesus going to be back so i can know how bad to be and then repent <laughs> so i can get into heaven like, right. i just wanted just, to just <laughs> skate in under the exactly. under the gate yeah, like, <laughs> like, I used to be just an asshole kid, like, so if Hitler repented and he was truly sorry, yeah, yeah, he right. got into heaven. Like, right. is that what you're telling me? Right, and my right. pastor did not right. like those types right. of questions. Right. Oh, sure. And you're saying, Mother Teresa, because she's Catholic, yeah. she's going to hell? <laughs> like, I could do. I could be the best human being in the world. I just don't accept that a man can turn water into wine. Yeah. Like, I'm out here doing everything for everybody. I'm going to hell. Like, that's what you're yeah, telling yeah. me. Yeah. Those types of questions they don't like. Yeah, we grew up learning about um, about the rapture. Um, this idea that you know, uh, uh, when Jesus comes back, um, he's gonna suck up all the believers into heaven and leave the earth and all of the sinners behind, and the earth is gonna collapse into you know a dystopian hellscape and. Um, uh, so I was always afraid that the rapture was going to happen and uh, I wasn't going to make it. And I remember one time in particular, 
uh, I went down to my friend's house, and I think I must have spent the night down the street, and I came home the next day, and nobody was home. And <laughs> in my little brain, my first thought was, oh, no, the rapture happened, <laughs> and I got left behind. And I was, I was terrified. I mean, it just, you know, they had just gone out and run some errands or whatever, but, like, it was like, Oh my God! Well, I guess, I guess I get the Atari. <laughs> That's oh, cool. Power still works. Okay. I can enjoy this. I am going to edit. I'm gonna take the Left Behind movie with the old uh, was it Kirk uh, Cameron? Mm-hmm. Take that old Kirk Cameron right at the beginning. I'm gonna put Thanos snapping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna reframe the whole context of the movie. I read those books. Oh, how are they? Trash. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always thought the Antichrist in those books are so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anti- yeah. Uh, oh, so let's talk about some of the mistakes you've made along the way. Like okay. uh, a mistake that you thought was a big deal at the time and that you can laugh at now. Okay. Um, I mean, probably the most consequential mistake was getting married so young um i mean i'm reluctant part of me is reluctant now to call it a mistake but i I think i've definitely thought of it that way um you know because i wasn't i was 21 she was 21 we didn't really understand what we were getting into it was a pretty impulsive decision like we got married like in six months and uh uh, it wasn't very well thought out. Um, it's probably one of the more impulsive decisions I've ever made. And, uh, um, and that kind of determined the trajectory of the rest of my life, that one, quote, mistake. Um, I might have to change the name of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, just because I, I'm starting to get the feeling that... Uh, a lot of people don't want to because they learn from them. It, like they, they, it, the mistake turned out well. Yeah. So like, I'm I'm starting to get pushed back on the word mistake, but okay. no, you yeah. should push back on the definition of the word mistake. Ooh. Recontext it. It doesn't have to be negative. Ah, maybe well, it's there. Not. We go. Yeah. I'm gonna change the world. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, um, uh, yeah. So I got married and. Um, you know, we ended up getting divorced, so at some level, you know, it's easy to say, well, that was a mistake because it didn't ultimately work out. Um, and it definitely, you know, brought, like, a lot of pain and sadness, um, not just to me, but to her and to our kids. So, you know, there is a lot of it that feels like, well, if we hadn't done that, that would have saved a lot of people a lot of suffering. So in that sense... It was a mistake. Um, in another sense, it gave me everything that I have now. Like, I would not be doing any of what I'm doing now. I wouldn't have any of what I have now. And I love it. Like, I'm really happy. I love my life now. Um, so, so I don't know if I would, if I had it to do over again, you know? Yeah. Um, so, because I, I was married for 14 years, I was married all through college. All through graduate school. I think that's a success. Your marriage lasts longer than 10 years. <laughs> to me, well, that's, I think that's it a depends. win. 
I think it depends. I think there's a lot of people that last 10 years that probably should have gotten out year one or not <laughs> ever gotten together. But, um, yeah, so... Um, uh, you can get your kid to the fifth grade. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I look back and I'm like, man, like, uh, I never would have expected to, to kind of be where I'm at now in life doing what I'm doing. Um, but it, it all flowed from that quote unquote mistake. Like, I think at the time that I got married, I thought I was going to be a college professor. I wanted to be a teacher. So I was going to go get a PhD and then hopefully teach. Was it theology? At the time it was, uh, my undergrad was in philosophy and biology. Okay. And, uh, I was interested in both science and philosophy. So I thought, I thought it would be one or the other. Um, and then, uh. And then um, I got, I moved to theology after I graduated um, from college. But um, yeah, I feel like like having kids, I started to realize like, I don't, like going to get a PhD is really, really hard. And I'm exhausted just from my undergrad and having kids because um, we had our second the summer I graduated. Um, and I was like, man, I don't. You know, I don't know that I can go through with this. I was just having some doubts. Um, and uh, and then um, when I got interested in kind of doing more ministry or community work and studied theology, um, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll be a, a pastor or a, uh, work for a nonprofit. Um, and I did some of that after I finished. Um, uh, like I said, I was a preacher. I also worked for a couple of nonprofits doing community organizing. But both of those things kind of became too difficult to pull off as my family grew. And I had four kids all of a sudden, and I needed to make ends meet. And like working for nonprofits or for a church, like the hours are bad and the money sucks. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this as much as I want to. So I, like, I was forced into like different paths. Um, and ended up getting into web development, um, and, uh, and, and I that, agree. I think it is much easier to pull out of your career path than your wife. <laughs> <laughs> just, just definitely for me. Yeah. <laughs> After the fourth time, I was like, I'm pulling out of everything now. <laughs> pulling out of everything. I asked Mike, like, I want to know what she was like. What she was like? Because She's still alive. I, well, so she must have had, like, a similar worldview. Because most of the ladies that I encounter, uh, sure, they may want a couple of kids. But around two... I feel like the majority of ladies are like, uh, come on, we got to snip snip or tie up the, but she was just down to keep. No, we tried, uh, let's see. We were using condoms when the first one came. Yeah. Uh, the second one came, we had switched to uh, natural family planning, which is kind of like trying to monitor her cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, and we thought we were better at that than we actually were um i think that's how the third one came too she she and she tried taking uh birth control but it just messed with her 
Yeah. Um, so bad, like physically and emotionally and stuff. It was just, she couldn't be on it. So, so we were trying more like natural alternatives. <laughs> um, and then, like I said, my fourth one came after a vasectomy. So, um, fourth one wasn't your fault. What I'm saying is none of my kids were wanted. <laughs> Please be sure they never listen to this. <laughs> no, not true. We, we, we wanted them all and we love them all very dearly and very wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, do you find having to, to get what you've accomplished with four kids... Uh, and the only reason I ask this is because my mother's the same way because uh, she did it with five kids. She put herself through nursing school. She doesn't listen to a lot of people's excuses about like, do you find yourself in that mindset? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember starting in college and graduate school, uh, people with no kids, they would come to me and just be complaining about, God, I'm just so tired. I don't have any time. How, how am I supposed to get this done? Oh, this is so hard. And I'm like home in a, in a, you know, in a bad marriage with three kids and uh, working. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. Like, I don't know. I don't know what your problem is. You clearly have time management issues. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. And, and with comedy too. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, if, I mean, I do feel like if I can, you know, to some degree, um, I don't, it is different. I mean, being single, a single dad, it's, it's been easier for me because, uh, I don't have my kids every day. We split 50, 50. Um, and so definitely, you know, weeks that I, I don't have my kids, I'm hitting the mics harder, but, um. But yeah, I do have less patience for people's excuses, you know. Um, uh, you know, I think if you really want to do this, you can figure out a way, you know. That's how it is. Like, I'll be bitching to my mom sometimes. She'll be like, ah, blah, blah, blah. you don't have no kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just feel say all the time. Yeah, because that's the thing about kids that people don't realize is that um, it is so all-consuming when they're young. It's different now. The other thing is my kids are older now, like 10. They range from 10 to 18. So they're pretty self-sufficient, um, and they can stay home uh, by themselves, um, you know, with the older ones. And um, But when they're young, man, it's like 20. It's 24-7. It is constant, and you're not getting enough sleep, which I don't know how you guys are, but I'm one of those people, if I don't get sleep, like, it just screws everything up for me. Like, I can't function. So so you're just, you know, you're just a mess, um, and uh, and it sucks. So, yeah, you don't have very much patience for, for other people's <laughs> complaints. <laughs> you um, Are your older ones dating? Mm, um, and if so, are you going to prevent them from getting married? Until they are 28 years old, <laughs> financially secure. <laughs> um, my oldest one has dated a little bit. Um, they all, I think, have learned from watching their mom and I. And um, some of them still want kids, but definitely want to wait. Um, and some of them don't want kids. What? <laughs> What do you think your biggest advice to them is regarding that uh, realm or area of life? 
I mean, be patient. Yeah. Um, you know, things are going to look a lot different five years from now or even a year from now. So don't, don't ever feel, don't ever feel, um, like when it comes to marriage, don't ever feel obligated, um, or pushed or, you know, be sure that it's a, it's a free decision externally and also internally that, mm -hmm. that you're, that you're getting into it for the, the right reasons. Um, and I mean, I don't know that anybody at 20, 21 is able to make a decision of that magnitude, in yeah. a, you know, wisely. There's very few people that have the wisdom to do that <laughs> and make a good decision. I mean, that's, it's rare. So yeah. And I, but I, I really do think they've, they've just observed and realized like, you know, they, they know how hard it was um, for, for us. And so I think they want something different, you know, for them. Uh, Forever is a long ass time. Yeah. That is what I realized. Like, 10 yeah. years, bro. That's the goal. <laughs> 10 yeah. years? 10 years. Okay. And you just, you change so much in your twenties. Like it's, yeah. uh, you're just a different person, you know, at 30 and then again at 40. So, um, I remembered that I'm 28 yesterday yeah and think back to when you were 20 and like that's the thing i still feel 22 so obviously <laughs> i am not mature <laughs> at all <laughs> yeah well, we've had a, a few people on who have said like uh, marriage was like tough for them and they ended up getting divorced and they've always said like divorce early like that's some of the things that they've said is mm. like giving our little mistakers advice uh-huh. Uh, do you have the same advice or if you huh. realize it's not working out? Well, I wouldn't say jump ship as soon as it feels like it's not working out because I think the whole point of marriage is to say, you know, we are in this through the good times and the bad times. It's and we're going to try health. and we're going to try and make this work to the best of our abilities. Um, but I do think there are a lot of people that stay too long. And I would, I would definitely say if there's, if there's any level of abuse, you get the fuck out as soon as you can. Like that's at, that should go without saying, but unfortunately it doesn't. And a lot of people stay in abusive relationships for too long, but, um, and understandably that's complicated, but, um, but I, I do think like, I think for me, I think I stayed too long. Um, and if, yeah, if I had it to do over again, I'd probably get divorced, uh, one kid after. sooner, huh? One kid sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Cause he's the best. Uh, <laughs> no, well, what's no, the no. power rankings here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the number one reason I can't call any of it a mistake is cause <laughs> seriously, I mean, my kids are the best things that I have and, um, and, uh, yeah, they're not, I know they're not things and I don't possess them, but you know what I mean? They're, they're the best, uh, people to happen to me. So, yeah. yeah that's gotta be awkward. Like when you're like arguing with someone, but you're like, you gave me this, this bundle of joy, yeah. but you yeah. as a yeah. person. Yeah. And, and honestly, like my, my ex and I get along 
well. We're actually neighbors. She lives a couple houses down. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, so we're, and we have a very... I smell a sitcom. <laughs> we have a very amicable relationship. It's, it's not contentious. Uh, we don't really fight. Oh, that's um, cool. So, yeah. Yeah, we can be around each other. We're, we, we usually do holidays together and birthdays and, you know, stuff like that, so... Yeah, I'm thankful for that because it doesn't always work out that way. But if you eventually turn your life into a sitcom, can I be your comic friend, <laughs> <laughs> the Kramer who always comes inside? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It would need to be somebody funny. So uh... Damn it. <laughs> I've got a couple of years. To... <laughs> so we have the what part? What time are we at? Oh, we're good. We have this uh, part that we like to call uh, motivational speech. Okay. Uh, we have, uh, act like you're talking to a bunch of middle schoolers or wh- whoever you feel needs some advice. Uh-huh. And uh, just give it to them. <laughs> it's like a TED Talk. Okay. Rule. All right. Listen, kids, rule number one. Do not get into comedy. <laughs> Stay away. Preach. Stay away. It is, it is bad. There are just, oh, a million different things you can do that will make you happy. Uh comedy is not one of them uh two um stay in school kids work hard study hard um uh uh you know eat your vegetables um uh, i would say uh, uh if you if you can um get get a job when you're in high school start making money uh and uh, start kind of figuring out how that works um, because uh, once you figure out how money works um, you will uh, never get into stand-up comedy so uh, learn that as soon as you can uh, and uh, yeah don't trust your pull-out game uh, definitely <laughs> <laughs> pay attention in sex ed <laughs> Ooh, i got a question for you um, unless you had a question. I just want to throw that out there, that if you ever start a podcast, you should be pulling out, pulling out with Jeremy all <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so my mom said, like, once she had a couple kids, it was like there was no option but to succeed, right? So if someone is struggling in life and they need that push. <laughs> have a kid. <laughs> Do you suggest having a kid, like... <laughs> Like, so you have that push? No. Who was it? I think it's uh, Jim Gaffigan that has that joke about, um, you know, people ask what it's like to have a kid. And he's like, well, oh, no, he's like, what what is it like to have two kids? And and he's like, well, imagine you're drowning (laughs) and somebody throws you a baby. No, kids won't help. Kids won't keep your marriage together. Kids won't make you happy um, on their own. Um, uh, you know that that's that's not. Kids are not a solution to okay. adult problems, <laughs> and we should never put that kind of pressure on them anyway. <laughs> I see my sister; she's changing her life around with, or with the, my little niece. Or the earth. Stop having kids for the benefit of the world. No. Don't do that. Keep having kids, because look, 
<laughs> the adults we have in the world right now are fucking it up. So we need to keep having kids and just make better ones. Like three generations wanna... from now will be good. You know? <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope so. We'll be pushing nine billion at that point. There'll be a lot of us. We'll see how much weight the earth. It's fine. Be. We got plenty of room. Yeah. Look at this room we're in. We could fit at least another twelve. We could do three more podcasts in yeah. here at the yeah. same time. Exactly. It's all that room in Arizona. That's where oh, I want to yeah, go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, what do you want to leave the people with? The people? The people, the little mistakers. Like, what? Uh, this will probably come out in like two weeks. Okay. Uh, anything um, you got coming up? Oh, uh, oh, shoot. I'm actually, I've got a show this Sunday at MotorCo, um, but I guess this will come out after that. Um, you got a, the monthly Sunday. I do. Uh, I run a monthly uh, stand-up showcase in Hillsboro. It's the first Sunday of every month. It's called The Sunday Show. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It always packs out, um, and it's free. And then uh, every uh, first Saturday of the month, uh, Fresh Bits uh, at the Pit, which is uh, a fun... Um, uh, kind of, it's kind of like an open mic, um, but like an open mic on speed, um, and uh, that's always a lot of fun. Um, other than that, uh, no, check me out uh, my website jeremyalder.com. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Alder, or I'm also on Insta and Facebook. Um, yeah, be happy to uh, to uh, talk to you about. Um, natural family planning, uh, <laughs> anything else you have questions about. <laughs> Web development, you could talk to them about sure. that. Yep. Um, got a website idea, you can make a, like, should you get divorced website, like a, <laughs> like a quiz, and then at the end, <laughs> Jeremy says it's time to get out. <laughs> Wait six months. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can follow me, I keep it McReal, and... Follow me on Instagram, Andrew Ugleason, NC. Follow me on TikTok. I'm on the TikTok now. All the kids, 15, 20-year-olds. I want you in my demographic. Uh, Andrew Gleason Comedy on TikTok. If you message me on Instagram or TikTok saying that you listen to the podcast, I will send you a new shirt. Sweet. Uh, we're out. All right, little mistakers. Remember, mistakes are okay.